Hi everyone! Welcome to the Fun on Weekdays podcast hosted by me, Jenna Pellick. And today we have a lot to cover because over the weekend, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey broke the internet yet again. If people had a reason to believe that they are still a PR couple, I don't know what else they need to do. Like they basically just made out in front of the entire world in Argentina. The man is in a different country for her. She knew what she was doing when she got on stage and changed the lyrics to karma is the man from the chiefs. Ah! Oh my God. And it is absolute perfect timing because today's guest is directly affiliated with the chiefs. And I wanted a little bit of some inside scoop as to what she thinks about the relationship. Are they end game? Like, could this be it for Taylor? I woke up on Sunday morning at a bachelorette party in 30A. Technically it was in Rosemary beach. I was there for my friend Madeline's bachelorette. So cute by the way, like the most wholesome beach town, small town vibe. I love it. If you're trying to plan a bachelorette party and you're going somewhere low key with a big group of girls, we stayed at this really nice house that was just steps from the beach. Majority of the trip, we just went out to dinner, dressed up. I did some girls makeup, which is like my favorite thing to do. We stayed in actually every single night. We did not go out a single night, which was so nice. Everybody was on the same wavelength. Usually you have some girls in a bachelorette group that like want to go out and party and hit the clubs some girls that want to go to bed early no this trip we all went to bed early like almost every night I got a full 12 hours of sleep but anyways I wake up on Sunday morning and I about throw my phone across the freaking room because the first video that I see is Chris Olsen's TikTok which is the first one about changing the lyrics to karma is the guy from the chiefs so that was the first video I see And I'm like freaking out. I show it to Megan, who's right next to me. Megan is the ultimate Swifty of all time. Like I consider myself a Swifty, but I'm not in on all the conspiracy theories that are out there. I follow up with everything she's doing, but there's like levels to Swiftiness. And I feel like I'm in, I'm in the moderate. I'm in like the top 70%. I would probably get a C if we were rating ourselves between A to F. She's already seen it. And then we see the video of Taylor running into Travis's arms and she is so tiny. Like, oh my God, I love that for her. Every single woman deserves to have a man that makes them feel like so small and cute and little. He has his big arms all around her, like a big teddy bear. Oh, and then he like walks away with his arm around her, protecting her basically like, come on, babe, let's go. Oh my God, I'm obsessed with it. I watched it so many times. I added both videos to my Instagram story because what else was I supposed to do? And then the third video I saw was Travis's reaction when she changed the lyrics. And I have never seen a more genuine, wholesome reaction from a grown ass man. First of all, Taylor's dad's reaction makes me think that no one knew she was going to change the lyrics. She just did it on the fly. And also her laughing when she's doing it, she's just not taking herself so seriously. And I love it. But he turns to Travis and like taps him on the shoulder and he's like, whoa, cheering for him. I just love that. You can tell that Taylor's family also likes Travis, which I love that for her. And then his hands go on his face. Like he's just so shocked. Like he's just been kissed for the very first time in seventh grade. It's so freaking cute. I 
Love it. So today's episode made sense because we do talk about Taylor and Travis from somebody who happens to know the two of them. Today's guest is former Miss Kansas USA entrepreneur, marathoner, athlete, activist. She also happens to be the Kansas City Chiefs heiress. Like I said, I was not messing around for the guests for season three of Fun on Weekdays. Everybody welcome Gracie Hunt. Are you feeling good? Are you ready? Absolutely. Yeah, can't wait. Okay, I feel like you were like born interview ready. <laughs> I was born ready. Uh, but I will say a lot of Miss USA training definitely helped me on that front. Yes, and I want to talk about Miss USA. So we can actually start there. So I saw that you competed for Miss Kansas. And that was, what year was that? So I, did, I was Miss Kansas in 2021. So okay. I graduated early from college and moved up to Kansas City and sort of did um, a round robin working in a bunch of different departments with the Chiefs. Also was working on a master's program at the University of Kansas, uh, living in Overland Park. And my mom, as you may know, was Miss Kansas USA 1993. Mm -hmm. And so 28 years later, I decided to compete for Miss Kansas and the rest is history. I love that you have that um, connection with your mom. Was pageantry something you were always interested in or was that heavily influenced by your mom? That's a really funny story. When my mom and dad met, it was right before she won Miss Kansas USA and they got secretly engaged before she competed at Miss USA. And then he lived through that pageant journey with her. She was second runner up. I'm very proud. Dave is so wonderful. Absolutely crushed it, but it just wasn't what God had for her. And then when she and my dad got married, he made her promise that none of their children would do pageants or modeling. <laughs> so uh, I was destined to be the next Mia Hamm, according to my father. Grew up playing soccer, did all the sports. He would actually wake me up before breakfast and had me run a mile every day starting in first grade. And he was very supportive. Like he cheered me on alongside the treadmill while I did it. And uh, he was just doing, that was his love language. His dad showed up for all of his stuff and really, you know, cheered him on when he played college soccer at SMU and was captain of the team. I think my dad wanted the same for me. Mm -hmm. Okay, a few questions here. So first question about pageants. Why was it that your dad didn't want anyone from your family to be involved again? I think watching the disappointment of something so subjective affect the woman he loved definitely played a role in that. However, pageantry isn't all about winning. It's really about the journey and the friendships that you make along the way. And while it can be hard to see and experience that when you're in the midst of it, it truly is such a blessing. It equips you in ways that you would never know having not like gone through it. And I'm really grateful that it helped me grow into my most confident self. And so how did you get your foot in pageantry? I know that you were a soccer player and you had a few concussions that kind of led you there. When did you start competing in pageants? Too many concussions took me out of soccer. Mm -hmm. It was my dream to get to play in college and I saw a neurologist after getting lots and lots of migraines and having sensitivity to lights. And it, it just got to a point where he was like, look, if you're not going to do this professionally, like you really need to weigh your brain health against continuing to play. So that was what closed the door on soccer for me. My mom wanted to help me find a competitive outlet 
to channel all of that energy into after soccer was no longer an option. So she decided, hey, let's just try a pageant and see how it goes. I ended up winning that pageant and looking back, I don't know how. <laughs> I really came a long way, but uh, the rest is history. So you won your first pageant and you went all the way to Miss Kansas the first time you competed? I won my first pageant, which was not Miss Kansas USA. It took me about five years of competing in different systems and working on my interview and working on my walk to get to where I knew I was ready for Miss Kansas USA. Mm -hmm. I held several other titles, including Miss Texas Teen International 2016 and Miss Texas International 2018. Took a break, focused on my schoolwork, wanted to finish early, but I kept training because a soccer player shuffle walk is very hard to un undo. <laughs> it's hard to take the soccer player shuffle and turn that into the glide. If you've ever seen Miss Congeniality, he's teaching her to glide. It was essentially the same kind of transformation as what Sandra Bullock went through. <laughs> I love that movie. What would you say are some of the most difficult things about pageantry or maybe misconceptions that people have? Like any industry, you will come away with best friends and also encounter people who aren't necessarily the nicest, but I think that that's just life. And it's those challenges that present you in whatever area that you work in that make you grow as a person. I think it's much nicer than what you see in Miss Congeniality or if you ever watched Toddlers and Tiaras. I never saw that, but my experience with pageantry was far from what I envision that is. It's really about women cheering on other women, women mentoring women, and helping people grow into the most confident, capable versions of who they're meant to be. Okay. Love that answer. Oh gosh, you're just so like, you're just so positive and you put everything into the perfect words so articulately. I don't know about that. I definitely walked away with best friends and I think I've been in three, maybe three weddings of best friends who I competed against, a couple who I lost to and, or didn't place as high. And I think in the beginning, you look at that person and you think, oh, we're pitted against each other. We might not be best friends, but you have to dig deeper than wanting just the crown because at the end of the day, only one girl walks away with the crown, even though there are certainly more than one who are qualified for the job. Mm -hmm. And once you make peace with that, you can suddenly see it as I'm not competing against her. I'm competing against the best version of who I am. And when you make that mental shift, you're really able to bond with the other contestants in a special way. Okay. Oh, that's really sweet. <laughs> I worked at Sherry Hill. Um, Did 20 you? 2019. I, I love Sherry. She is just the ultimate fairy godmother when it comes to dresses. She is. She is like an unreal person. She's always been a role model for me since I worked. Um, I actually sold dresses in high school. I worked in a dress store. First dress I sold was a Sherry Hill dress. And that's when I said right then and there, I'm going to work for Sherry Hill one day. And so then I did eventually, and I didn't know anything about pageants until I worked for her. And we got to meet a lot of girls who were competing for state pageants for Miss USA, Miss America. Um, and that kind of like leads me into the next question. Have you seen the recent documentary about Miss America? I think it's on Hulu. I heard a lot about it. I actually do not have a Hulu subscription, so I oh, haven't yeah. seen it. I did have a friend reach out to me to participate in a report she was working on 
And then I think her work actually ended up merging to be a part of that story that was shared in that documentary. And she and I competed together on the Miss USA stage. And I, I know that there are definitely things that were flawed and broken about a few of the last several years, but I will say that I would do it all over again, even with leadership that could have been improved because of the friendships I walked away with and because I know it made me who I am today. And it also, in a family where winning is, you know, we love to win in the Hunt family, it's such a good lesson for me to learn firsthand. Life is so much more than just winning. It's so much more than the final score. And if you can't enjoy the journey and the process, even if things don't go the way that you want them to, then you're really missing out on all of those little blessings. One of the, uh, well, actually two of like the main topics that they talk about in the show. Well, you mentioned it was like broken leadership, but they also raise the question about, um, the mental health of contestants and it does play a factor in like winning and this competitive edge that once you win and you become Miss Kansas, Miss USA, Miss America, whatever that title is, um, you kind of feel this energy shift. Did you feel any of those emotions? Like once you won, there was a change. Um, and it started to impact your mental health based on how busy you were and how many interviews you were constantly doing and like, you know, having people's eyes on you all the time. Or is that something you've been used to because of your family and your background? I was definitely used to it from growing up in the family I've been so blessed to be a part of where that's just the way we roll. I mean, things are going at a hundred miles an hour. You're running around everywhere with your hair on fire and I knew I was really equipped for the role of Miss USA because that's just a part of what makes me me is knowing that I have a plate God set before me and I'm strong and capable and can handle it. I do think though that if you're not used to that schedule, it can definitely be grueling. For me, as far as the energy shift of that question goes, I went into both Miss Kansas and Miss USA knowing I am enough, whether I walk away with this crown or not. And I think having the goal to serve my community, to spotlight charities and to bring awareness to a lot of important issues without being the focal point of my reign, it helps you think less about yourself. I know pageantry can be a very single focused sport and it can become all about you and your goals and what you're doing. But I also think you're given that crown to reflect light onto the people around you. And because I had that perspective, it helped me, A, walk that road with endurance that God gave me each day for it, knowing I'm in my purpose, I'm in my calling, I am made for such a time as this, and I'm going to make a positive impact on so many people's lives. You know, whether it's serving in all of these different nonprofits I was able to touch from homelessness to hunger or getting on that stage and showing my younger self, you can be strong, you can be athletic and sporty and love the body you're in uh, and have muscles and know that that is beautiful. And so when you have that perspective, I think it's actually very healthy. Speaking of um, like being comfortable with your body and finding confidence in that, another thing they talk about in the show is the controversy and question around whether um, pageantry should include the swimsuit portion. 
And I was curious your thoughts on it because it sounds like you have a very healthy, positive outlook um, on what that can do for you in terms of confidence and being comfortable with your body. But I was just curious what your take is. I know Miss USA started as a swimsuit competition and personally, I'm all for it. I think that Miss USA needs to be an example of health and fitness for younger generations. And I think that you can have muscles and be strong and be in a swimsuit and show people that it's not about the sexualization of women. It's about empowering women. It's about being comfortable in the skin you were given and rocking that to the best of your ability. And we all come in shape, different shapes and sizes. What I've learned is that comparison is the bullet train to discontent. You can't take who you are and compare that to someone else because they have different genetic, genetics from you. They were created for a different purpose than you. They probably played a different sport than you. You just have to love who you are and give them the best version of you and know at the end of the day, it's a subjective judging panel. Some of them might like apples. Some of them might like oranges. And you might be the ripest, most juicy peach in the entire world. And some of those judges are not going to like peaches. And you just have to say, you know, I love who I am. My friends and my family love who I am. And that's enough for me. Love that answer. Um, going back to something that you mentioned before with your dad and how he encouraged you every morning to run a mile. So I'm curious how that mindset and how that encouragement as a child, if that impacted you like positively or if it made fitness and exercise almost feel like a chore in a way or like kind of what that impact had on your life and the road that you took with sports and athleticism and then now, you know, with your family? I would say that my parents walked that line so well that they never made me feel bad about how I looked. And I was always a pretty active, healthy kid and played sports and just didn't have to try too hard to stay healthy when I was young from all of the activities that I did. I was born with celiac disease which uh, is a gluten and wheat intolerance. Um, it's genetic in my family. But for a long time, doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. I was really sick. My stomach did not like when we went to Italian restaurants and I was this tiny kid telling my mom I didn't want a birthday cake because it hurt my stomach. And she was like, what is going on with you? Like, what? what? When we were little, there just wasn't the awareness of that that there is now. And there certainly weren't the gluten and gluten-free uh, substitutes that you see on the shelves everywhere and on restaurant menus. And she was like, how can every Italian restaurant hurt your stomach? <laughs> well, you're going to Italian and you're eating all the bread and the pasta and all the good things. Um, and when I was between 12 and 13, they were finally able to figure out what it was. And at that point, I pretty much just went cold turkey on all wheat and bread products, essentially adopted a paleo diet. And that's how I've eaten ever since. And I really love healthy food. And I think when you have a love for nourishing your body and seeing food as fuel and not seeing exercise as punishment, that's the way you create a really great balance of 
health and fitness and essentially achieve that over a long period of time. Yeah. There's so many options out there now. If you go to Whole Foods, like they have a whole aisle, um, H-E-B here in Texas, whole aisle of gluten-free, more healthy options, which is really cool. Um, I didn't even know that that was really a thing until my boyfriend was gluten and dairy-free. I tried it. Man, it is hard. It is so hard. And I like love all the quote, bad food, like the dairy and the ice cream and all the things that make my stomach rumble. But I'm like, Ugh, I don't have the self-discipline to just fully give it up. So some nights I'm like, I'm going to go to bed with the stomach ache. It's fine. Maybe 20, all things in moderation. We all have our things that we love. For me, that's definitely Lily's chocolate. What I is could... Lily's chocolate? I've never heard of they that. Have, well, they, they have it at Whole Foods. It's just stevia sweetened chocolate. And okay. Well, I'm going to have to try that. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's my favorite. So switching gears, you were talking a little bit about your family before we started recording. And I really want to get into the dynamic with your family and the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> Today's episode is sponsored by American Eagle. Something about me is I love a good sale. From the time that I was a little girl, I would run into the store. I'd go all the way to the back to find the sale rack. And good news, today only, November 14th, American Eagle is giving us an incredible sale. All clearance is under $25, which is $30 in Canadian, including clearance jeans. That's unheard of. 25% off of all jeans, joggers, and cargo pants, which make the perfect holiday gift this season. American Eagle jeans are iconic. Their fit and comfort is unmatched. There is a reason people have been wearing American Eagle jeans for years. This season, there is something for everyone at American Eagle. They have got to have gifts and got to give jeans. So if you have jeans, joggers, or cargo pants on your wish list, head to American Eagle right now for an additional clearance sale today only November 14th. <laughs> So can you give everyone some background of your family's involvement and how the Kansas City Chiefs became the Chiefs? And yeah, let's just let's jump right in. So yes, my grandfather founded the Chiefs. Originally, they were the Dallas Texans here in Dallas, Texas. And when he merged the league, he had started the American Football League with the National Football League to create the NFL as we know it today with the AFC Conference and the NFC Conference. Uh, that's when he moved the Chiefs uh, to Kansas City and renamed them. And so my dad's entire family is based here in Dallas, but my mom is actually a Kansas City girl herself. She was uh, from Lee Summit, Missouri, and my grandparents and cousins are still all up there, and I love hanging out with them all the time. That is crazy to think that your grandfather has like such a huge part in like your family's lineage and your like your reality right now. So your dad is now currently the CEO, right? Of the Kansas yes, City Chiefs. Yes, he is chairman and CEO of the Chiefs. Okay. How does that influence your life and your day-to-day? -day? Honestly, I am working on creating my own niche in the world mm -hmm. and what he does he kills, he crushes it, and I am so in awe of what he's built. He has created this organization with just the deepest integrity and the highest standards and really just set up a championship mentality culture in the people that he's hired and in how he has lived his life. So I give so much credit to him, and I hope that I can be half the person that he is one day. I just have had the most fun cheering on this incredible team my whole life. It's ingrained in 
the whole family's culture that you wear your red on Sunday and you go out there and cheer on the red and gold. Mm -hmm. Is there ever any pressure that it has to be your life because it is so intertwined and that you have to be super interested in what's going on? I never felt that. Mm -hmm. I genuinely love football and soccer. And I have to say, when you're brainwashed at such an early age that, you know, this is like life and you go and you watch the Chiefs games, then it just becomes part of routine. And but not in a way where it ever feels old. Like every single Sunday feels like Christmas uh, every single time. And I don't take any of it for granted. I've loved getting to cheer on this team. You know, it wasn't always um, as much fun as it is now because it takes a long time to go through seasons where you don't have as much success to build up to, you know, working towards a dynasty. And it's been, um, I mean, all credit goes to Coach Reed and Brett Veach, uh, our president, Mark Donovan, and Patrick, and all of those guys on the team. I've seen how selfless you have to be and how determined you have to be to succeed in this industry. And, And what they have is really special, and I so admire them for it. What does a day in your life look like? It's a typical Sunday. You're going to the game. What does your day look like? I'm an early bird. So I wake up before the sun rises and I get my little workout in and then I get ready, pick out the outfit. Hopefully I've picked it out actually before the morning of, but sometimes you've got to throw a Hail Mary. (laughs) Um, And yeah, and then we go to the game and I always enjoy um, going out and tailgating with my dad before the games. That's something that he did with his father while he was still alive. Um, and it's a sweet tradition that my brother, sister and I enjoy getting to do with my dad now. Then you go in and kickoff happens and you're just glued to the field, <sighs> trying not to let the stress of the game age you. <laughs> um, yeah. And and just, you know, high-fiving everybody with each touchdown and, you know, being the 12th man and making as much noise as you can when the other team's on offense. So, yeah, it's it's so much fun. You mentioned that things haven't always been, like, as successful for the Chiefs. There have been years where they're not winning as many games and you are going through a bit of stress. What has that been like and what has that taught you over the years about success and winning and achievement and awards? And how has that kind of, like, impacted your mentality on life? I watched my dad go through many years of building the team to where it is now. And there was a lot of struggle. I remember a season when we won only two games. And growing up in Dallas, uh, you're in Cowboys territory. And so I was a, a victim of being picked on because, you know, no one was a Chiefs fan. And when you're little, kids can be mean. But I think just knowing what's important in life, knowing that family is important, knowing that winning isn't everything, and knowing that you can't live your life based on wins and losses. If you let every single time you don't win a game affect your entire week, that's no way to live life. You have to, you know, keep your head in the game, keep your eye on the long-term goal and just cling on to the your faith and to the people who are most important to you. You mentioned that kids would pick on you when you were younger. That was a perfect segue into my next question, which is how have friends and people in your life or people that you've met kind of treated you based off of knowing that your family 
like owns the chiefs? Have they given you any different treatment or have they been rude? Have they tried to take advantage of you? What has your experience been with that? I think that no matter what industry you're involved in, you're going to meet people who are authentic and people who are not and people who want to use you and people who are there to genuinely be a part of your life. And we all have to navigate those questions and who we surround ourselves with. For me, I've been so blessed to just have the sweetest, most authentic group of girlfriends my entire life. God's really strategically placed people around me who are in all different industries. And maybe some of them know nothing about football or could care less about football. And um, I'm having to like teach them every single game. Like, okay, no, this is like, what this is and this is what this is. But I think in life, the friends that you're meant to be with and run with and do battle with will find you and they won't really care what your family business is. They're just going to love you for the person that you are. That's good. That's great to hear that you have such a strong group of girlfriends. I feel like girlfriends just save all, like everything could be going wrong in your life, but if you have a good solid group of girlfriends, it means the world. Oh, absolutely. Girlfriends, you got to have your girl squad. It's it's essential. And speaking of surrounding yourself with good people, kind of brings up the question about dating and how like your family has impacted your dating life, if at all. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. I'm just really curious if like guys who, who's super family doesn't, whose family doesn't play a role in your dating life. Yeah. <laughs> we all want to find someone who our mom gives that green stamp of approval to and who your father loves and wants to go golfing with. Is that not true? Totally. For me, I'm really glad that my family at the end of the day, they just want me to find someone who loves God first so that they can love me to the best of their ability and who has a good head on their shoulders. And the rest, they know I have great discernment and judgment. And so they just really trust that whoever I'm dating will be someone who I really think has the highest character and who um, is fun and, and meets all the things. And of course, vibes with the fam. Yeah. You know, I do think that there's an element to if you... <laughs> marry me. You're marrying my family. And I definitely want you guys to all get along. So unlike some people who are like, oh, I really need to make sure I like them before <laughs> I introduce you to the family. My strategy is you're getting thrown right into it. Bro, Let's go. We're going to have everyone just hang out and see how it goes. Because I think that that's also really helpful in discerning things about that person that you might not see. And maybe your family sees things that are amazing about them that you haven't picked up on yet. And they encourage you, right? Like, give it a few more dates. And I absolutely use my family as a sounding board. <laughs> That's really sweet to hear because it feels like usually people reserve their family until like maybe a few months, maybe even like a couple years until they have confidence to introduce them. But it sounds like your family is at the core of like everything that you do and you're very close with them. So of course you need their stamp of approval before you know if you should like even continue giving him the energy. I'll definitely date somebody for a little bit and sort of figure out who they are <laughs> before that I bring them right into it. But I definitely want to see how everyone gets along. Mm -hmm. I want to see if you and my brother love each other. I want to see, you know, if you can hang in pickleball games, even if you're not winning and, and see how you handle those environments. Mm -hmm. 
What would you say is like your ideal man if you could describe him? That's tough. I <laughs> I start I I hesitate to answer this because it's not a good idea to put a bunch of a bunch of like these are all the things you have to check. Mm-hmm. For me, I have like three or four really like tough parameters that I operate within. And and once you qualify those parameters, then I'm like okay, like I'll give this a shot no matter, you know, no matter all of the other things. I do care about your friends. I think friends say so much about who you are. Uh, I love that quote. It's like the five people you spend the most time with are a direct reflection of who you're going to become. And so I think that's a really good gauge for knowing who a person is. If you can spend time with their friends, that'll show you the people that they're they're hanging out with and, and sort of the activities that those people are into also. Yeah, that's really true. You can learn a lot about someone based on who they're spending majority of their time with. And I feel like you're so right. It is really important that you get along with those friends because eventually one day, like those friends are probably going to be in your wedding. So absolutely. And you are like, okay, are you the friends who are taking my man out to the club? Or are you the friends who are like, doing all of the nice but really fun things but like not ripping vegas every weekend yeah (laughs) you need to like know who the friends are it's like something that you that i just think is really important Mm -hmm. it sounds like you you seem very happy and content as you are with your girlfriends and with your life right now that any person that comes in has to be an addition to your life and they don't necessarily have to have all the exact same interests because you are right i think it's really nice to be challenged by someone who has other interests and can open you up to different parts of the world and maybe unexplored interests within yourself um so yeah, it's really, really good to know that you have like a very open mindset. And I'm sure that translates to a lot of girls who are listening to who are like, oh my God, Gracie's got everything, but you have, you have very high standards. And I think um, having high standards is such a good thing because it protects you. And sometimes people will try and say your standards are too high, but as somebody who's been told that and has been able to find multiple people who exceed any expectation I could have had. I know that that's, don't let people tell you to settle. Don't let people tell you that you have unrealistic expectations unless you are literally like, (laughs) I don't know, hoping to find someone from like a movie character that you're really wrapped up in. I would caution all young girls to know that like what you feel in your heart can sometimes be deceptive. And sometimes what we're fed out in Hollywood isn't the most healthy portrayal of what love and partnership can be. Love is about sacrifice. It's about choice. And it's not just crazy feelings that you feel all the time because at some point those go away. And while you certainly have to be attracted to whoever you're with, you also want to have deeper interests that align and you also want to know that at the end of the day when those things aren't there that that person is going to choose you and that you're going to be able to choose them so i i think that you know i've been really fortunate to have two parents who have been married 30 years and are still madly in love with each other and i've had a very healthy example to look up to and i just attribute so much of my perspective on that to watching them do life together so well. It's not common like at all to have two parents who have been together for a long time. My parents have also been married for over 30 years now, and it definitely has 
a huge influence on what kind of partner you're looking for and what you expect and also how you, you know, see love uh, just based off of the love that you've seen in your family and what they've shown you over the years. And so it's really good to know that you've had a great influence in your life. You mentioned love in Hollywood and what we see in the tabloids and the movies. Um, so obviously a huge conversation right now with the Chiefs is Taylor and Travis. And I am so curious to know your thoughts on the two together. We've known Travis for a long time and he is the greatest guy. And um, I was able to meet Taylor on some of her earlier tours. And we all kind of, I, I've always been a fan of hers too. And we are so happy for them to watch two people fall in love with each other in real time who I personally believe are a great match. Mm -hmm. It's been so exciting. They're the ultimate power couple we can all cheer for. And um, my sister and I, yeah, it's like our explore page is all <laughs> Travis and Taylor. We like sitting each other because who's not cheering for them? Who's Who couldn't be? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that they're wonderful together. And it's been so fun. Just having Taylor be a part of Chief's Kingdom is awesome. Yeah, it seems like they are like, what's the word? Like the all-American couple. And it actually made me think of them when you said that you want to be with someone who isn't necessarily in your industry, which is why I feel like they're so good together because every other person she's dated has been in like the music industry. And naturally, they're always going to be somewhat intimidated by her. Or if they're not used to being in like the public light, then they're going to be really turned away from that. But I feel like the reason why they're so good is because Travis is like super into like owning who he is and he's okay with people talking about him. He's okay with sharing his life. Taylor needs someone that matches that energy. Absolutely. They definitely, their energy seems to be pretty well matched. And I'd also say, you know, they seem to have found that equal counterpart who's completely self-sufficient and completely successful in their own right. And then you just put them together and you're like, this was a match made in heaven. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm really happy for them. How has their romance and like all of the media played a part in Chiefs, whether it's like the atmosphere in the stadium or like ticket sales? I don't know if you have insight to that, um, but just like how has it brought so much more energy to football? It has in countless ways, from <laughs> continually selling out Travis's jersey number to, you know, the situation in New York when everyone found out she was coming to the Jets game and the ticket prices jumping for that game. It's really incredible that one woman has that much power. Right. But all props to her because she has worked tirelessly to get there. Mm -hmm. She is, like, turning the NFL, like – industry. Well, I don't even know if that's the right word, but you know what I mean? Like people are invested now. People want to learn about football. Um, people want to go to games. It's tapped this entirely different demographic mm -hmm. of female fans who are not necessarily football fans, but they're Taylor fans. Yeah. And in turn, they're going to cheer for, ta for Travis. And it's just been the ultimate whirlwind and so much fun. Yeah. That was going to be my answer. If it's been like awesome and empowering to see so many women become interested in sports because you've been someone who's been an athlete for years. I mean, your childhood, you were always interested in sports and football and soccer. Um, so what's it like now to see so many women who just didn't really care before, or maybe were 
didn't know anything about it to now have an interest. Football said to have the power to bring people together. And for anyone who's lived in or visited Kansas City, they know that to be true. And there's something so special about game days at Arrowhead and game days in the NFL in general. Um, football's for everyone. And it's for women. It's for men. And actually half of the NFL fan base is women. And now with the rise of flag football, you have more women excelling in flag football than ever before. And so it's just been tremendous to see this growth of females finding empowerment in sports, whether you're playing, whether you're watching, or whether you're just celebrating with people you love. I love it because it does bring people together of all different backgrounds, uh, races, religions, and really unites people. Mm -hmm. Speaking of flag football, this is so funny. So you went to SMU, right? Yes. In Dallas. Okay. Were you in a sorority? I was not in a sorority. Okay. okay. I was asking because I was in a sorority at Kent State in Ohio where I went to school. And sorority flag football was like the best thing of the fall semester of school. I played on the team. I was absolutely horrible. Like, I don't even know how I made the team, if I'm being honest with you. But it was so fun. And I feel like that's actually how I learned a lot of the rules of football. So it is cool to see that, like, women start to feel a little bit more included in something that has historically been, like, a male-dominated sport. It's been so much fun to watch. And um, yeah, women are crushing it in uh, flag football. One of my good friends, her name's Nelsika, and she's the captain of the Italian women's national team of flag football. Um, oh and she is just an absolute boss, um, as well as Diana Flores, who uh, you probably saw in that Super Bowl commercial. And just seeing how it's changing people's lives and empowering women is truly remarkable. Mm -hmm. Oh, Gracie, you are so articulate. Everything that you say. <laughs> <You're so sweet. laughs> yeah, do you think that, um, this is actually like my last question for you, but do you think that your experience in pageantry and also the nature of your family always being in the spotlight, um, always being interviewed, did you ever feel the pressure to like constantly say the right things or that, you know, anything you say could be taken out of context? Is there a lot of pressure with that? It's known that that is definitely something that can happen when you speak in public. For me, pageantry really empowered me because it allowed me to learn how to express what I want to say in a concise, meaningful way, where I always had a stance on what I believed or what I thought about things. And it just helps you package it so much prettier. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> um, when I go on dates and went on dates right around Miss USA ending, I do think I totally pageant answered my way through all of those dates because it took me a minute to turn off pageant Gracie. And sometimes I'm not even trying to give somebody an answer, but they ask me something that I know the answer to and I've been asked before. So I'm like, here you go. It's my pretty package. And they're like, was that a pageant answer? And I'm like, no, it was actually authentic, but it just sounded really put together. Mm -hmm. um, so so sort of getting out of that and getting out of interview mode was definitely a process for me. But um, yeah, I think all that interview training definitely served me well. Yeah. For any women who are listening to this who maybe don't feel super confident vocalizing their opinion or their answer to something or standing up for what they believe in, what is some advice that you have and 
things that you've learned um, in the pageant world or just life in general on how to articulate your feelings and your thoughts in a precise way while also being respectful? In pageants, you can be asked a lot of heated, divisive topics. And for me, something that I always kept with me and kept in the back of my mind was these are complex issues. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're asking you for a black or white answer and you have to stay true to what you believe. You have to remain authentic to yourself or you could regret it for the rest of your life. But you also need to answer things in a way that sees both sides of the issue. You need to have authentic compassion for what's being discussed because whatever it is, it's affecting people and probably not for the better. And you don't know what it's like to walk one day in someone else's shoes. That's just the truth for all of us. We only perceive life through the single lens that we see it through, which is that of our own selves. And so however you answer something, have compassion, keep your heart open and answer with love. Because I think when you answer with love and in a way that brings people together, that's the only way that you can actually have an impact on people because sometimes this world can seem so divided and, and is whether you're scrolling on social media or whether you click on the news, sometimes there is definite right and wrong. But oftentimes there's a gray area that you need to be able to walk in and you need to be able to love people who sit in both camps because not everyone has it all figured out or these issues wouldn't be hot topics to begin with. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And uh, honestly, even as you're saying that answer, I'm like, wow, that was so articulate. How do you do that? <laughs> I need to take some notes. Well, Gracie, it was so nice getting to know you more and um, getting to know about your experience in pageants and soccer and football and all things. Um, this was such a pleasure and I hope you had as much fun as I did. I, hope I had everyone so much fun, Jenna. I can't, you know, I don't have a podcast, but I wish I got to ask you a bunch of questions too, but it was so fun getting to know you. Um, I love what you're doing and um, excited to keep following along your journey. And next time I make it down to Austin, I'm definitely going to give you a shout. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Well, everyone listening, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>